I don't know what the word for getting transported into the grid is. I don't know whether, like, he logs on to the grid would be appropriate, or he gets, like, uh, digitized into the grid, or what exactly yeah. happens. Yeah. Because he maybe is he's if you're if gone. you're derezzed, maybe he's rezzed. Is he he's rezzed? resolution? He's high grid? rezzed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by my dear friend and former roommate, Tess. Tess, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> now, every week on this show, we watch a movie of our guests choosing. I have no say in what it is, and that is why I have to start out by asking you, Tess, the one question, why did we watch Tron Legacy? Um, so many reasons. I think it is such an underappreciated gem of a movie. It was, like, so ahead of its time in terms of effects and, like, the CGI and the, just, it was, it's just such a well-made movie, uh, in a, in a lot of different ways, um, and, and not in a lot of ways, you know, <laughs> I accept that. It's still one of my favorite movies, and the weird thing is, I was talking about this with my brother recently, um, I was told him like I was rewatching it for the podcast and he was like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that in theaters, like, and really loving it. And I was like, I literally don't remember seeing it in theaters. It's just <laughs> something that's already just, it's just lived rent free in my consciousness for like <laughs> as long as I can remember. I don't remember seeing it in theaters. It's just been there my whole life. <laughs> you were born <laughs> in Tron Legacy. It was already <laughs> uploaded into your mind. It came with, uh, came with delivery. <laughs> yeah. And I should mention for your listeners, I have not, I didn't, hadn't seen the first Tron in the 80s before I saw this one. This was the first one I saw. That's what got me into the franchise. And then, like, I went, I went and, like, rewatched, not rewatched, I went and watched the first Tron from the 80s, you know, with Jeff Bridges, and it was great. Which is also, by the way, which was also ahead of its time in terms of technology. <laughs> the Tron movie's <laughs> coming in clutch with the uh, big ups on the tech side. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, with that, let's let's dive on into this, because there's a lot of info to cover. So we get a nice, fancy version of the Disney logo. It's all in these blue lines and light. Neat, funky, fresh. Dope as hell. Uh, the Daft Punk score kicks in. As a note for our listeners, the score of this movie was done entirely by Daft Punk. <laughs> so... Petition to have Daft Punk come back together and score more movies. <laughs> Daft Punk should... Uh... What is the word for when you get the band back together? Not, is it just reunite? reunite? Yeah, it's just reunite. <laughs> Daft Punk should it's reunite. It's called Get the Band Back Together for a reason. <laughs> Daft Punk should reunite just to score more movies because this does have a really kick-ass score. There's a specific track, Derez, that plays at a point in the movie that I've oh, been listening yes. to for years Great despite scene. having only just seen the movie the day before we were recording for the first time. <laughs> we get some voiceover. The grid, a digital frontier. A man is talking about how information travels. Is it by plane? Not a man. By- Jeff Bridges. Come on. <laughs> you know it's Jeff Bridges. We don't know that at this point. I mean, sure, we know that because it's Jeff Bridges, but we don't know that at this point. Fair enough. We watch all these like electric lines come together and form an actual real-world cityscape, and we kind of zoom in on in 1989 on this little house where the narrator is tucking his son into bed and telling him about Tron. This movie, then, is um, kind of accepting that the previous 1980s Tron is canon. So while it is very easy to understand this movie watching it, if you haven't seen that Tron movie, they do make a lot of references to it. 
yeah. biggest, most obvious ones, this whole opening narration basically recaps the plot of the original Tron. Um. Yeah. But in a very succinct way. Like, yes. it gets you right into it, you know? Yeah. So basically the information you need to know is that this guy, his dad, uh, who we will learn is named Flynn, Kevin Flynn, uh, is was creating this, like, digital world, um, the grid, quote-unquote, uh, and he... But it, it's, it is left purposefully kind of vague, because we don't know if it actually exists or not. I mean, if you haven't seen the first movie, you don't know if it actually exists or not. Right. So we don't know if this is, like, a program or, like, something that it's, like, an AI, like, that goes yeah. into your head that's, like, an AR thing. You're, like, we don't know that yet. It's, it's like, purposefully vague, which I like. Yeah, they're not So then we're, like, like, we get that shock factor when he's actually thrown into the grid later. Exactly. They're not which laying I, out, like, the tech specs for the grid or anything. They're yeah. just kind of giving you the play-by-play of the characters you'll need to know who are reoccurring, because they talk about Flynn, Tron, and Clue. Clue is this program mm-hmm. that Flynn created in his own image, uh, and Tron is another character from Tron. <laughs> <laughs> and he, they created this He's system. the guy. He's the guy. If you have seen Spy Kids 3, <laughs> Tron is the guy, Tron. <laughs> He's the guy. <laughs> That's actually like a one to one comparison. Cover. We are not joking. Spy Kids 3 and Tron, they have the same character. <laughs> and I love them both. <laughs> yes. Um, he brings the sun up to speed. You know, they created the system where information could travel freely until um, there was this miracle. And as we, the audience, much like this child, are like, oh, what was the miracle? What was the miracle? His dad says, that's a story for another time, and heads out the door, leaving his son, who he plans to introduce to the grid. We don't see the dad. I like this little kind of screen language check they do here. We don't really see the dad's face until he finally exits the door. Um, it's a very, like, dramatic reveal. And it also doesn't let us linger too long on his face. <laughs> yes. Um, on the, uh... On the... <laughs> on Kenny Valley. <laughs> on Kenny Valley. Uh, okay, which, okay. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, uh, this, this movie in terms of, like, this walked so Irishmen could run. Like, this was kind of the first movie that did de-aging and didn't look absolutely terrible. Like, it's still very Uncanny Valley, but, like, in a... I don't want to say in a campy way. In a, in a decent way, mm-hmm. you know? It's not, you know... It doesn't look horrendous. It also kind of <laughs> But it looks pretty bad. With the exception of this opening scene where, you know, we see younger Jeff Bridges yeah. once highlighted in the yeah. doorway... When they're in the grid and you see younger mm. Jeff Bridges, he's supposed to be a program. So it kind of actually works that he doesn't it, it quite works, look perfectly yeah. it, human. And and it does look actually better in those in with that color grade, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. It works slightly better in the grids yeah. in the grid's grade. The one like glory door shot we get here is a little bit uh less It's weird. It's, it's a little more on Candy Valley, yeah. <laughs> Only because you're not really expecting it. I mean, exactly. you are, because, like, you hear Jeff Bridges in your head, and you're like, oh, maybe they've just hired a different actor, and he's not, we're just not going to see his face, but nope. Nope. You it's do get it. It's <laughs> important that we see his face so that we recognize him later in the movie, so they had to show him exactly. us at least once. <laughs> My theory is that they had to get the bad, like, they spent less money and time on this shot, so you, they get the bad CGI out of the way, so you're, you're less shocked by it throughout the rest of the movie, because because of Clue, obviously. No, spoilers, not really. <laughs> spoilers, but, um, <laughs> not really. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, as, once again, the um, blanket statement on this podcast is we're going to spoil the entirety of Tron Legacy for you, yeah. so if you really care about that, maybe go watch it and then come back to the podcast at this point. Definitely go watch it. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> Definitely go watch it. That's the whole reason I'm on this podcast, is people, <laughs> so people go watch it. <laughs> yes. We cut to a TV report. Uh, this whole screen is filled with various different TVs where news anchors are reporting that Kevin Flynn has disappeared, the creator of Tron, 
and the success of his company is in chaos. The board has seized control from Kevin Bradley, his business partner. We see some footage of Flynn giving speeches in the past about, like, the grid and the future of technology and yada yada. Which they call back later. Yeah, call back later. Big, like, tech mumbo-jumbo, you know. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think, but I think even though this exhibition's a little clunky with the TVs in space, the speech that he does in this in the sequence is actually good that they did it because they call it back in a really interesting way later that I guess we'll, we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's, I mean, it's, it's exposition really. It's flashback exposition. It's kind of like a, you know, classic way of getting info out at the beginning of a movie, especially one with legacy in the title, but they, they do mm-hmm. it reasonably well. So, you know, you get through it. Flynn now an orphan is real sad. He's running around. His grandparents Sam are like, Flynn. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which Flynn, <laughs> the, the son, the son, Sam, yeah. Sam Flynn, son of Flynn. <laughs> For <laughs> differentiation's sake, I, in my notes on this movie, I always wrote Sam or Flynn so that Sam is yeah. Sam and then Flynn would be his dad because I couldn't remember what gotcha. Flynn, his dad's name, first name was for most of the movie. Kevin. <laughs> they always call him Flynn because why would you call him Kevin? If you have a protagonist yeah. and you name him Kevin Flynn, don't Sam call him Flynn Kevin. Sam Flynn and his dad, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on, Tron. What did you think we were going to do? <laughs> Sam rides off on his bike and we kind of like transition into him riding a motorcycle many, many years into the future. He's Great getting uh, chased by the cops because he's speeding, but he manages to shake them. There's a nice little Ducati product placement as we pass. As Sam pulls over somewhere. <laughs> he breaks into the back door of a service area. We don't quite know which building yet. Um, but we'll learn that it is the MCOM building, which is the company his father used to run. They're in the middle of a board meeting where their chairman, Richard Mackey, is announcing that in the last year they made mad profits and they're getting ready to release their newest OS at midnight, which is an operating system. So I I was not clear on what exactly MCOM it's sells. Like, like, do they just sell? I think it's like an Apple, Apple ripoff. It's like, like they Apple sell, <laughs> like they sell phones maybe. And yeah. it's, and so they're, they, I know they, they for sure do software. I don't know if they do hardware. Um, I assume they do hardware because then like, you know, what are you going to put your software on? <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I think they're like an Apple ripoff. Yeah, they just they have a very confusing business model, which is to be it fair. It doesn't really most matter. Companies. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's but just the grid, here for the grid is technically software, so they're like they're a software company. Yeah, we'll go with that. While they're having their meeting, Sam is sneaking past all sorts of motion alarms and cameras, but he trips one alarm as he enters the server room. Back in the meeting, the board is talking about how their one, one board member in particular speaks up. Uh, this is Alan. Um, <laughs> Killian Murphy. Oh no, it's Alan. We get to Clover. <laughs> Alan Bradley, a.k.a. He also plays Tron in this movie, the uh, Bruce. Yeah, and, and in the 80s movie. Yeah, yeah. So he's a, he's a, he's a legacy actor from the previous movie and will occur, appear several times. But he speaks up at the meeting about how they're um, overcharging for their software that they largely sell to, like, schools and nonprofits and things. And the chairman's like, oh, well, you know, it's how we make money. And it's a whole, like, oh... The evil capitalist man in the tech company versus the like dreamer techie guy. It's you know show offs for the ages. Sam is I could not tell if he was downloading or uploading something, but doesn't really matter. He's hacking into the system as a security <laughs> guard is trying to find him, and uh, he does manage to sneak out at the last second. 
as the chairman back at the board meeting goes to show off the new software going live, Sam's virus takes over and makes that dog video pop up on his screen just as they're about to go live stream. <laughs> the goodest boy. It's his own dog. It's, it's his the own best dog. boy. Oh. His dog only features in the first 20 minutes of the movie, but they are the most important character. <laughs> exactly. And along with in putting a giant photo of his dog up for all to see, he also makes their new operating system free all over the web, totally ruining their bottom line on this new release and undercutting the are whole. Are you just going to brush off the fact that Killian Murphy has a speaking role in this scene? <laughs> he has a speaking role in this movie, and I think he's uncredited in the in the credits. Maybe yeah, he not, doesn't. I don't know. I remember him being, like, trying to, like, who is he? He looks so familiar. And then I was like, oh, shit, it's Killian Murphy. Yeah, I love him. I'm trying to see if he's credited on IMDb at all, and he's, he's not. I feel like I don't think he's credited on IMDb. And he has, like, he has, like, speaking lines. He's yeah. got a speaking role. <laughs> he has multiple lines. But he no. is he is tech he is tech employee asshole. That's his yes, speaking. Young, I think uh, he has I, a name too. Uh, he does have a name. I didn't think it was important, so I didn't write it down. And then, like two lines later, I was like, "Oh man, I should have written that down." But I didn't want to go back for it, so I just wrote down "young tech upstart." Um, so young tech just upstart the fact that it's talks. Killian Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> I adore him. So so wonderful. <laughs> Sam makes his escape to the roof. He is about. Uh, he's standing like out on this crane over the side of the skyscraper. The security guard catches up to him, and he's like, what are you doing? And Sam's like, it's fine. You're not going to get in trouble if you don't catch me. I'm your boss, because he's the majority shareholder of this company. Sam then jumps off the building, but he has a parachute, so he's fine. And then he gets stuck on a light pole and uh, taken in by the police. Um, we don't see him get, like, booked or anything. He just kind of leaves the station, presumably later in the <laughs> evening, and heads home. It doesn't I guess matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not important. And he rides back into his house, which is made of shipping containers. Yeah. And located on a riverbank. Next to the Brooklyn Bridge. Next to the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I have Literally. so many questions about how he possibly got this property. <laughs> I'm just, I feel like it's just some warehouse in L.A. And they put the backdrop of the Brooklyn Bridge down. I mean, you definitely. Know, but like, cool. this in guy's, universe, This guy right? can afford it. <laughs> in universe. It's entirely made of, like, hollowed out connect, interconnected shipping containers. And there is nothing around it. Like, there's no other buildings there it's so did he yeah. buy the land yeah. and then decide i want to build my house out of I mean, shipping containers <laughs> he's rich enough i know but if you're rich enough why are you using shipping containers why would you not use actual I building don't know. materials maybe he thinks he's really cool and he wants a very cool it bothered <laughs> me to park his ducati <laughs> so much it's so it's just such a, a it's never addressed <laughs> It's not really, it doesn't really inform us doesn't about his really character matter. at all. It doesn't, which is why it made me so mad that it was included. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Sam Flynn isn't really, he's just, he's just taking us through the story. He's not really a character. That's true. You know? He's very much an audience surrogate. We don't uh, care about him. <laughs> audience surrogate main character. He doesn't really have much of an arc to be speak of. Sam uh, arrives home to find that Alan is in his apartment. He says, hey, what are you doing here? And then Sam takes off his shirt for some reason. Alan is once again trying to get <laughs> Sam to start running MCOM. <laughs> I wrote that in the notes. Sam takes off his shirt for some reason. I, there was <laughs> no purpose. <But> anyway. <laughs> it's a hot uh, actor. They got to use all of him. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I guess if you have Garrett Hedlund. Who? What else? What else has Garrett Hedlund even been in? Well, let's in find out, story. shall we? He is. He, well, his IMDb page pops up the Tron trailer first. This is the first. one thing I know him from. He was in Mudbound. On the Road, Four Brothers. Yeah, I think Tron's probably the thing most people would know him from. Inside Lewin Davis, he yeah. played Johnny Five. <laughs> oh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, looks like he kind of did a lot of Tron related things. He was in Aragon. That's fun. He was what? Aragon, the like 
kind of mediocre oh, fantasy the dragon movie. Thing? Yeah, the dragon thing. Yeah. Played oh he played Murtaugh? In it? Oh, different movie for a different time. He, he played <laughs> <laughs> it was a very uh, a, a cute boy actor. He's a cute boy actor. Cute boy actor. Alan is trying to get Sam to start running uh, the company and reveals that the reason that he's here specifically is because last night he received a page from the arcade that his dad used to have his office in. So first of all, pager that sets off red flags in both Sam and Alan's <laughs> minds because, you know, it's the 2010s or so. So they do pagers address aren't it. really used. Yeah, exactly. He's like, what, a pager? He's gonna get a page? <laughs> That's how they know that something is up. What is this, the 80s? <laughs> exactly. Who would page them if not for his long lost father? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Alan gives Sam the keys to the arcade and just kind of is like, you know, if you want to go, you can go check it out. Apparently before Flynn had disappeared, he thought he had cracked something. Sam at first doesn't seem to take the bait, but then immediately goes over to Flynn's arcade, which is now this like decrepit building. Inside, all the machines are covered up with plastic, and as he flicks on the lights, everything slowly starts to power on and loud 80 synths pick up from the jukebox which I thought was a very nice little journey, diegetic journey music specifically. Cue. Journey specifically. And later it will Great be Sweet song. Dreams Are Made of This. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's thematic, because it's as he's going down the stairs into the, uh, the real office. Yes, so he goes to the back of the arcade where the Tron uh, arcade game console is, and he, he goes to put a quarter in to play it, but the quarter just pops out the bottom of the machine where he notices on the floor there are all these divots as though something had been moving. And he manages to pull the machine back as it is a fake door and reveal the secret entrance to the secret lab where his dad always went to work. He goes down into the office. There's no one there. The computer system is still working, however, and as he starts to sort of play with it and hack a bit, uh, looks like a laser ray gun behind him starts to power on. And as he is a-typing away, he gets blasted with the laser grid thing and is... I don't know what the word for getting transported into the grid is. I don't know whether, like, he logs on to the grid would be appropriate, or he gets, like, uh, digitized into the grid, or what exactly yeah. happens. Yeah. Because he maybe is he's, if you're gone. If you're de-rezzed, maybe he's rezzed? Is he rezzed? He's resolution? He's high-rezzed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, yeah, I mean, I, he's resolution. No, it sounds weird. Never mind. Yeah. But the, the world around him changes, and we go from this, like, very, you know, it's, it's the real world as we know it to this sort of, like, futuristic um, cyber grid world. Alternate all dimension. in like Alternate dimension. All in blue scale. Crazy. There's so many hexagons. The floor is hexagons. The walls got hexagons <laughs> on them. There were hexagons for days. And there are all these yep. lights. Uh, like, neon bars. All of... So many hexagons in this movie. <laughs> there's so many hexagons in this movie. I made a note of it. I love it. He rushes out into the street and finds himself <laughs> in a crazy future world of light and hexagons, comma, so many hexagons. Um, yeah. And, like, this is where you first get that initial, like, damn, the effects yeah. in this movie. Like, you're just shot, like, just shot right into the grid. And, like, as soon as he steps outside the, like, digitized version of the arcade, it's like, holy shit. I really like, <laughs> Tron has this, like, very iconic kind of, like, blue and orange color palette of like the very bright kind of neon lights and then very dark everything else and like, it looks so cool still really good it I looks mean, amazing it still is one of the best looking movies like ever yeah honestly. i mean this movie came out 11 years ago or 2010 so. yeah 2010 you know cgi was decently at good at that point but it looks like it was it not could have been made today yesterday yeah yeah Props Crazy. to the creative team behind Tron Legacy for that one, because some of the movies I've had to watch in this podcast have had some very unfortunate special effects. <laughs> you can just see 
This is what makes me so upset because you can just see and feel how much freaking work was put into this mm-hmm. movie and like mm-hmm. how many, how much everyone was in, like enjoyed it and how much thought and love that was put into it. And it was just completely fucking snubbed by critics. Like, yeah. you know, it yeah. was totally snubbed by critics just for, I mean, for, I would say for an exaggerated, re- for exaggerated reasons, to be honest. Like, yeah, I don't think they appreciate it for what it was. I was surprised at how much hate it had gotten for things that I, like, I couldn't point to anything in this movie where I was specifically like, oh, yeah. that's bad. It was mostly just like, you know, it's an And I don't know movie. a single person, yeah, I don't know a single person in real life who didn't love this movie or like this movie, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's just it's a, a critics one of those, like, it. critically panned movies that actually isn't all that yeah. bad. But Sam, who <laughs> is in a pretty bad situation, he has just gotten zapped into the <laughs> grid. Um, he realizes his dad was successful, that he, you know, he was cre- creating his online world. Um, he gets captured by this orange arch-shaped ship. Um, the signifier of bad guy in this movie will be they have orange <laughs> neon lights on them, and good guys will always have white and or blue. It depends on the lighting of the scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a spectrum from, like, reddish orange to yellow. Yeah, his clue is like yellowish. Yeah, yellow more. Yeah, if it's, it's a very warm cool. color, I love that they're not all one color. Yes, you know. Oh, I was so worried that this whole time I was gonna be looking at the same two colors the entire movie. I was so happy yeah, that there's no. a little bit of variation within that. They're all in the same like general spectrum, but they're they're slightly yeah. different shades, which really works well. You're cool or warm, but like there's variation within that, which I really, exactly. which I thought was a really good touch. Exactly. Very, very different. Um, actually, no, they kind of did that in the Ultron, but not yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Sam is captured by this arch thing. Uh, he keeps trying to say that he's not a program, but no one's really paying attention to him. He is flown to this stadium along with the other captives, and an orange guard boards the ship and points to some of them to tell them whether they are going to be in the games or get rectified. I think that's what they were saying. It was really hard to understand yeah. what the option other than game was. Yeah, it's rectified. I don't really know it. I know yeah, that I it's know a that title of one of the Daft Punk scores, but um, I think it. I think that means you get derezzed or like you just get killed. I don't know. Yeah, like also, you're useless. I think later on in the movie we see what happens to them if they get rectified, but I'm not a hundred percent sure because it's not really made clear. But we'll talk about that when we get towards the end more. Yeah. Um, Sam, of course, as our protagonist, gets told he'll be in the games. Um, this is a video game movie, so, you know, we gotta cover that. And the other guy who gets told he's going to the games jumps to his death to establish that this is not a good thing to have happening to you. Despite you don't want to go to the games. You don't, don't want to go to the games. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sam is put on a platform and dropped into a room where, um, as they are introduced by the close-up shot of their high heels, four women approach and use their laser fingers to cut off his clothes as he gets outfitted with high-tech <laughs> armor. What an extra way to outfit somebody. It's great. <laughs> but it's not without use because one of them's used again later on. Yes, there was a lady who was very white, and I mean that quite literally because her <laughs> hair is like dyed white and everything. She's wearing an all-white suit. Like um, me if I were platinum blonde. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> she is uh, going to be coming up again later, so for now we don't know who she is, but just, you know, keep an eye on that white lady. Uh <laughs> He's informed that he's receiving an identity disc. Well, this is kind of an important part for us to learn what the discs are. Everything that he learns and does in the grid is going to be stored on the disc, and if he loses it, he'll be dissolved or de-resoluted or something De-rezzed. like that. Yeah. He now proceeds to the games. He asks the blonde one, the white lady, what he's supposed to do, and she says, survive. So that's not ominous at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's, lift, he's lifted into the stadium alongside the other contestants, and it's announced that it's time for the Disc Wars. Dun, dun, dun. A figure dressed yeah. all in orange, takes that we, whose face we do not see, takes a seat in this like cla- those important box seats that they always have in stadiums for big bad guys. Uh, think of like um, the Grandmaster's box in Thor Ragnarok. It's that, but yeah. for Tron Legacy. Basically. Yeah. Although I think it's on a ship. I think he crawls up on his own ship. Does he crawl up on his own ship? I think it's a thing, because they announce his presence, like, oh, it's our fearless leader. I don't know if this is now or later on, but they definitely, like, announce his presence. Like, he doesn't always show up to the games, but he's showing up to these games. Sam is facing off against a combatant that he mentions he has an action figure of, uh, and they begin to kind of, like, (laughs) hug the glowing discs at each other in these enclosed floating rooms. They go back and forth. They, they fight in a way that reminded me of the game Pong for quite a while because they're just throwing <laughs> this disc at each other, but they're, like, yeah. taking turns. And catching them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was very nice little <laughs> Pong plug, I guess. <laughs> um, Sam manages to beat the combatant, com- combatant and progress to round two. Out of sheer luck. Two. Out of sheer <laughs> luck. Sam is... He's not doing great. He's, we know he's not a fighter. Like, we, we get that. He's not really a fighter. And he just kind yeah. of, he's like, he can think on his feet, but we know that he doesn't have any, like, combat skills, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he manages to defeat his next opponent, opponent um, and he's breaking these holes in the ground of the pods that he's fighting in and manages to make his escape by jumping out of the hole in his pod and then onto the roofs of the pods below him. They're all sort of, like, floating in the center of the stadium. And mm-hmm. until all of the pods are reformed around him at the command of the orbs being held by the mysterious orange figure, and now he has to face Rensler, I think is what his name. Rensler. Rensler. Oh my god, Rinsler. yes. Rensler's theme is the best. Rensler's theme, theme slaps. Every slaps. time Rensler shows <laughs> up, it's like, oh yes, oh, this music yeah. is bumping. Rensler. It's just so dope. And he, like, <laughs> makes this, like, it sounds like what my, like, sounds like my cat purring, but it's, like, this growling sound. The sound design. Okay, the sound design in this fucking movie. Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but Rinsler, he doesn't talk. He just makes this, like, growling sound. Like, he's an animal. It's fucking awesome. I just love it. I love that that's part of his character. It's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's a very imposing figure. You know, he's kind of, like, a slightly more imposing enemy than the average goon that you see. Uh, he's the, he's the minion, and yeah. he, he's, he's all he's in black the, with like smaller he's the orange lights. Dog. He's the attack dog. He doesn't yeah. have the qu- quite like persistent lines that are, most of them are wearing. He has more of like these little dots on him that are a little smaller, so he's less illuminated than everyone yeah. else. It's very very neat. He also gets an identity disc that splits in two, so he's more imposing. Yes, he it's has awesome. two discs Great. to throw at Sam. Whoever. Yeah, whoever uh, stunt uh, did stunts for this character is, deserves a raise. <laughs> like, it was awesome. Yes. So Sam and Rinsler fight. Um, there's a lot of little slow-mo cl- shots as the arena is changing around them at the whims of the orbs that this figure in orange is manipulating. Uh, Rins- it looks like Rinsler's about to kill Sam. He has a drop on him. He's got a blade to his throat. But when Sam doesn't dissolve uh, and instead bleeds, Rinsler stands up and says, user, and lets Sam get up. Sam is told to identify himself. He replies he's not a program and says that he is Sam Flynn. As he says that, the crowd falls into the silence. Silent. 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 Oh, no. They know the this creator. man. They know the Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam awesome. is brought to the mysterious orange figure that we saw 
earlier. This figure with it back to Sam stands up, and as they turn around, we see that familiar CGI face from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. This is Jeff Bridges himself. <laughs> yeah. And here's the fun thing. You don't know until the end of the scene that this is Clue. If you mm-hmm. hadn't seen Tron, or, like, you didn't really know who Clue was, because he's only briefly mentioned in the beginning, in, like, the first sequence, it, you don't, you think, oh, shit, it's, it's his dad. He just never aged in the grid. And then you don't, you know, later on yeah. it's revealed that it's not. So they do a but little, But he goes like, with it. Yeah, he goes with it. So Clue, this is Clue. This is not Flynn. This is not Dad. This is uh, his, like, <laughs> copy of himself that he, a program that he made to kind of create the perfect yeah. system. It's further explained later. So it's even if you don't know who later. he is, like, it doesn't matter. You just know that he's... Yeah. He's mentioned in the opening monologue of the movie, and he is also going to be our main antagonist, as we'll learn in this scene. He acts like the happy father to see his son, takes Flynn's disc and, like, examines it, asks if it was just him who came in. He says yes. When Sam asks if he can go home, his quote-unquote dad, a.k.a. Clue, says no and reveals that not only is he in charge, but he's also Clue. So, you know, there's our reveal. Well, Sam kind of figures it out for himself. He's like, you're not kind of, you're not acting like my dad. Yeah. Wait, holy shit, your clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not uh, so doing credit, a super credit, good job of hiding <laughs> it. Yeah, it, this is, um, it's a nice little, like, reveal moment, but it's uh, yeah. it's not really drawn out, which I kind of appreciated, because about, like, yeah. a minute into it, I was like, I'm 90% sure that that's not actually his dad, because yeah. he would have gotten older. But, you know, it's, they don't draw it out in the movie, which is nice. The guards walk Sam off somewhere, fireworks start to go off, the Daft Punk techno beats pick up. And Sam is brought into the floor of another arena where the yeah. there's a sidekick, kind of like second-in-command guy for Clue, starts addressing the crowd and reading off a speech, and out Sam as a user, which is the term for anyone who's not a program, a.k.a. if they are yeah. from the real world. If, Rin- if Rinsler's the attack dog, this guy's the lap dog. Exactly. He's kind of like a comic relief character in a lot of ways, although, you know, not a ton of comic relief in this movie, but he, where it is, he's often yeah. the one providing it. He's the wimpy right hand. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. There is a figure with white glowing lights all over them watching Sam from a distance. Sam is going to have to challenge the grid, facing off against experienced user fighter Clue. Um, Clue walks out all in orange, kind of like a yellowy orange though. And all of some sidekicks kind of pop up on both sides. Uh, <laughs> at this point, the lapdog second in command gets, tries to get on his boss's good side by like complimenting his speech. Doesn't really work. He'll do this a few times throughout nah. the movie. <laughs> Sam gets a bunch of homies that rise up out of the ground, and everyone pulls out these sticks that can transform into the laser bikes. It's time for some Tron yeah. combat, baby. I How was so cool hyped for this. Is this. How cool are these effects? The fucking bike creation? Yeah, oh, so the way the bikes so like, spawn into the grid is that there are these batons that when you pull them apart... The like interface of the bike starts to form around you, and then the bike itself forms around that interface, and it, it is you have to like so jump cool. into the sitting position. It looks it's amazing. So cool. This whole fight it. is maybe my favorite scene of the movie because they... yeah, it's a great it's a great set piece. So I just listen. Tron is going just going from cool set piece to cool set piece in the yep. first act, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I am so here for it. <laughs> Yeah, so basically the way that this combat is going to work is that uh, in, in the game, it's based on the game Tron, where you are yeah. on this bike and you have Which a line. Which is the light cycle thing. Yeah, this is the light cycle comes from. You have a line of light of either blue or orange coming out from behind you, and you're trying to get the other bike on the screen to crash into that light and be defeated. 
Uh, that theorizes them, yeah. Yeah, that's basically what's happening in this fight, except with much higher stakes than if you're playing a video game. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. The special it. effects in this video is so cool. Oh. Um, and it's, it just blows my mind whenever I think that this is, was done in 2010. 2010, like, it man. It just blows my mind. 2010. They really pulled it. It went all it out. Blow- Nothing in 2010 looked this good. Nothing now looks this good. No. Like, ugh, I'll never, I'll never get over it. Ugh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, so all the orange riders are taking out the blue riders pretty easily. Sam is starting to get the hang of things. This is a motorcycle. This is his, this is his forte. He's ready for this. Sam manages to get one of the blue riders to kind of work with him to take one of the orange guys out, but his new friend falls off his bike and gets smashed by Clue. And now Clue and Sam are facing off. Um, Sam gets knocked from his bike, and now it is a battle of the circular razor blades, until a mystery white car rolls up and tells Sam to get in. Rinsler is released for pursuit, and the game is on. The white car and uh, Sam make their escape through some crazy jumps. They leap over a massive uh, canyon, as every movie that has vehicles in it must do at some point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's part of it. It's mandatory. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> gotta do you gotta. It. They seem to have. But now that gotten... we know you're off, but now, but it also establishes the fact that we're off grid. Yes. Literally off off roading. We're off grid now. Yeah, we have moved like a, on a, a from clear the grid. Difference. It's it, this is no longer in the area that is so tightly controlled by Clue. As they're driving off, the driver introduces herself as Cora. She explains that her vehicle can go off-grid, but other riders can't, so they're kind of safe for now. She knows who he is and that she'll answer all of his questions very soon. They drive through some crazy canyons. There's uh, lots of very stressful like cliffs that if you were afraid of heights, I would not want to drive on. And they pull into <laughs> this secret like bat cave-looking entrance. Lo- <laughs> it still looks amazing. Everything still looks amazing. It looks very good. I think it helps that it's all very, like, dim as well like the because it's just the lights yeah. of the car that you really need to focus on in any given yeah. scene so the like, oh, and, background and you're, and can you're off be grid great. like that because flynn hasn't really programmed much in this space so it's kind of just empty mass you know or whatever i don't know what the code equivalent would be <laughs> um but yeah yes. it's really cool also they do this the the trope I don't know if this is one of the ones that first did it, but Sky High did it, where they have the <laughs> the fake out, oh, yes. it's a girl, where it's like they have a someone in a helmet with a voice, a clear voice mod on, and then she mm-hmm, takes the helmet mm-hmm, off, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a girl. Yeah. yeah. So we, can we don't I see I assume the Sky face. High episode is coming out before this one yeah, is, so. so. Long-time <laughs> listeners of the pod will know that the Sky High episode, we also mentioned this, but uh, Cora it has a voice Same modulator trope. and helmet Same trope. on. Same trope. She reveals it. It's like, oh, but it only girl. lasts. It only lasts like it's kind of pointless because there's yeah. really no point of doing it. The thing is, in Sky High, there is kind of a point. In this one, it's like a plot element. In this one, there's really no point in doing it. In this it. one, it's just for dramatic effect, it. so you don't know yeah. who's driving the car. It Even though I'm pretty really sure anything. she's in the trailers. <laughs> yeah, she was on all the character posters. I remember when this movie yeah. came out, like seeing trailers for it. Yeah. Um, they enter this like crazy secret cave everything is all in white mm. and there's a man meditating at one end who <laughs> says he <laughs> dreamed of tron for the first time in years and keen listeners uh, to voices of this movie will be like oh i know who that is because that is mm. the dulcet tones of one <laughs> jeff bridges <laughs> the dude <laughs> the dude himself uh cora tells him that they have a guest and sam's now much older father turns around to see his son uh, they get a big old hug, and I Sam... love this moment. <laughs> it's so sweet. I think this is the one good acting, not the one good acting moment, probably the best acting moment for Garrett Hedlund in this movie. This was this yeah. was a good good moment. 
I really yeah. like this is because his character is only good to be Flynn's son. Like, mm-hmm. and their relationships kind of, you know, the whole reason for the movie and his character. Like, it's a huge theme in the movie. And so, like, this scene was, like, I, I really loved. Sam says that the Alan got his page. His father sort of, like, doesn't really respond to that. Uh-oh, what could that mean? Um, they're going to have dinner and talk later. His dad is a little distant, but Sam's crying. It's very bittersweet all around. Cora talks about the big old white bike in the lab. It's vintage and the fastest thing on the grid, so hopefully Chekhov's we'll drive bike. that at some point. <laughs> Chekhov's bike. <laughs> Cora kind of shows Sam around the lab. There's lots of Russian authors, uh, and Cora reveals that she really likes Jules Verne's works. She's very into adventure novels. Um, that won't. That pretty much is all the information on her character we're going to get in terms of like who she is for a very long time, so latch onto that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's raised by, essentially raised by Jeff Bridges, which is kind of cool. So she's yeah. like, so, yeah. you know, there's that. Like, she's basically his surrogate daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, again, it's like just, it's more like the relationships than like the characters themselves. Exactly. They're all kind of just tied together. So it's, it just like, because this movie's so at such a breakneck pace. Like, that, there is really not much time for character development, but you get enough that, like, you can understand and empathize with these relationships, which which is something I just really like in this movie. Despite yeah, the I fact think... that it's just cutting from, like, you know, uh, um, action, se- action, se- action sequence to action sequence, which yeah. I'm fine with. It's got enough heart, is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. It's got just enough heart, you know? It's got, like, exactly <laughs> the right amount of heart to make the action sequences have, like, any sort of impact. To have the, meaning. Beyond, like, yeah. oh, cool. Like, you're like, oh, I'm kind of invested in, like, these characters surviving yeah. because they have these relationships to each other more so than they have any yeah. salient character traits that I've latched onto. Yeah. Um, also, the line where she's like, do you know Jules Verne? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And she's like, oh, what's he like? <laughs> yes, she doesn't really know anything great. about the real world, so to speak, which kind of informs us that, like, she's from the grid in some capacity. So they sit down for dinner. It's very quiet and awkward. Cora tries a few times to be, break the ice, but no luck. At one point, <laughs> his dad is kind of asking him, like, well, did you go to school? Like, do you have a girlfriend? He's like, no girlfriend, no wife. I have a dog. His dad says, dogs are cool. basically all the questions you ask a college kid over Christmas dinner. (laughs) It felt very familiar to uh, some conversations I've had in the last couple years. Yep. (laughs) Um, Sam really only has one question for his dad. Why do you never come home? Uh, His dad, every time he was leaving at night to go work in the office, was really coming here to the digital space, but since he couldn't be there full time, Tron and Clue were there to help him out. He kind of explains that the miracle that happened was they encountered these isomorphic algorithms, also called ISOs. They were this whole new life form manifested out of seemingly nowhere. He describes them as (laughs) bio-digital jazz, man. Jazz, man. (laughs) Which that's the dude through and through. That is the dude through and through. And he says it like in the tone of it's bio digital jazz, man, which really just sold the line. I love it. Uh, I love it. But at some point, right when that is ninetyest, nineteenthest. Yeah. But at some point, you know, after the discovery of these isos, Clue would betray Flynn. Clue, who was created to create the perfect system, was so dedicated to that that he staged a coup. Um, Tron and Flynn were attacked, and Tron sacrificed himself so that Flynn could flee. The more that Flynn fought him, the stronger Clue got, and eventually Clue destroyed all of the ISOs, seeing them as an imperfection, as functionally committing genocide. Flynn tried a few times to get home, but he couldn't get to the portal, and it the portal 
um, which closes after a certain period of time, could not be opened from the inside, and he could not get home. The portal that Sam came through to get here is only going to be open for the next eight hours, so that gives us a time limit for how long our heroes have to get out of the grid. If they head for the portal... Clue is going to try and get Flynn's um, disc so that he could get all of Flynn's knowledge, enter the human world, and possibly destroy it. So here, our stakes are kind of laid out for us here in this scene. Sam needs to get home within the next eight hours, or he's stuck here forever. Flynn, if he goes yeah. anywhere near the like center of the grid, is going to start getting tra- chased down by Clue. And if Clue is unleashed and gets Flynn's disc and is unleashed in the real world, like that's game over for humanity. So yep. it's a conflict of whether or not they should just kind of wait out Clue or they should make a bum rush for it. Flynn is almost certain that Clue is planning something because he reveals that it wasn't him that sent the page, which means it must have been Clue, and it's a trap um, to get them to make the run for the portal. Flynn believes that the only way to win is to not play. It gets to be emo hour. Sam is like, I want to yep. go home with my dad. <laughs> he's old. He's old and grizzled. <laughs> he's given up on life. Like, he's just very happy in his little cave in the mo- in the mountains, you know? <laughs> with, Meditating. With his various <laughs> Russian novels and meditation. Yeah. Um, he's very He's very against the idea at first. Very much so. Uh, to the point where Sam is deciding to go off on his own. He's talking with Cora about how, you know, like, he has to do this. Do you really want to wait around uh, forever? Yeah. Flynn reveals that he could destroy Clue, but it would kill them both. Or Cora informs Sam that that's what would happen if Flynn were to try and destroy Clue. Sam wants to make a run for the portal because he thinks that they can destroy Clue from the outside. He asks Cora for help. Yeah. And he decides to go off on his own because he figures, like, if he, can, if he can at least get out, he can come back in for his dad. Exactly. His, so at least if one of them to... should be, you know... Make yeah. sure that he can get his, his ultimate goal here is reuniting with his dad permanently. That's like his main motivator yeah. throughout the movie. Yep. Cora reads her symbolic Jules Verne novel and inside finds a patch that's like directions or something. And she informs Sam that he should try and find Zeus who can help him get out of there if Sam can get to Zeus alive. We get some dad flashbacks to like hanging with the sun on the beach. And as uh, Flynn goes to check on Sam, he finds the room empty as Sam has ridden off in that... Chekhov's vintage bike. <laughs> Fastest Sam- thing on the grid, man. <laughs> yeah. Get some funky techno music, courtesy of, again, Daft Punk, as they did every piece of score in this movie. Um, oh, he- God, the score. So good. It's a, it's just a good uh, techno album, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, Sam gives his vintage bike to a random guy in an alley uh, who all of the kind of like orange enforcers start chasing after and heads out on foot. He's recognized on the street by the white lady from the arena. You all know her. We pointed her out as important earlier. (laughs) Uh, She knows that he's looking for someone and kind of starts leading him towards a nightclub. Clue, meanwhile, has traced the light cycle to its origin point, meaning he's, he's traced the vintage bike back to where it came from, the cave, so it's no longer safe there. Sam has just fucking ruined his dad's hideout after 0.5 minutes being there. But luckily, his father, meanwhile, decides that he and Cora are going to enter the main portion of the grid once more. Sam, with the very white lady, head towards Zeus's uh, nightclub. He sort of owns this, like, bar uh, where Daft literal Daft Punk, this is no, no longer yeah, is it subtext, Daft Punk the actual cameo. Daft Punk cameo. <laughs> They're in-universe. <laughs> in-universe are They're the canon. DJs at this club. <laughs> it's amazing. She introduces him to Castor, who she explains he'll have to go through to get to Zeus. Castor recognizes Sam and celebrates that he's here. He explains he owns the club, and he tells Daft Punk to pick it up, and the techno music gets, like, peppier for a minute, Michael I Sheen, guess. by the way. I feel like I should very much note that this is Michael Sheen. 
And yes, it's Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen having the time of his life. He is having a blast. Um, he is having the time of his life in this one scene that he's in. Well, he's in like two scenes, but still. He's yeah. just hamming it up. It is fantastic. I love it. It's like, it's it's almost like the director just didn't, just like do do the thing. Do it as crazy as you want. Like, just go yeah. for it, man. And Michael Sheen like, is like, oh yeah. Just have, a, just, have a, just have fun with it. Just roll with it. While he is I love that no to one you. toned him down. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, they're really just like, no, no, you're fine. All of your creative yeah. choices, excellent. <laughs> As they're having this conversation, Clue has arrived at the mountain hideout of Flynn, only to find it now empty. He kind of, like, walks around and touches a bunch of stuff. He gets a lot of flashbacks to Clue's creation and walking off hand-in-hand with Flynn. Meanwhile, at the club, Castor reveals that actually he's Zeus, and Sam asks him to help get to the portal. And he seems to agree to help and asks who sent him his way. Sam says Cora. Everything gets a little awkward. Zeus says, hey, I'm, hey buddy, I'm going to hook you up with a forged disc, new duds, transport... It's going to be quite a ride. Uh, and as he sort of like backs up into the center of the frame with his arms wide behind him, all these like orange grunts bust in through the ceiling and <laughs> Derezzed by Daft Punk starts playing, which yeah. is a track I have been listening to since 2010. Yes. It's so good. It's my favorite track. I love this fight scene. It's they not the a- <laughs> best choreographed fight scene, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, I mean, you know, so like the only thing is like, I, I kind of, it looks like, um, Olivia Wilde did a lot of her own stunts, which is why it's not a super technically choreographed fight scene. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's like, it's it's kind of short and it gets point, points across and it just still looks gorgeous anyways. But yeah, I'm just so saying, the, if, they'd got, if they'd gotten like a stunt double to do more like fun stuff, because Cora's clearly a, a really talented fighter. She's like clearly <laughs> the best fighter in the movie. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I wish if she they'd shown her off a little bit, like that would have been more fun. But it's it's still a fun fight scene. Yeah. They have a nice little cut to uh, Daft Punk where where they sort of like yeah. shrug before they start playing the like, pickup track. And so the whole fight scene, while it is very serious, um, <laughs> Cora busts in to help out uh, as well as Flynn is like kind of got this air to levity to it where it, it almost makes sense that the fighting is less choreographed. And it's a bit more of like a bar fight yeah. because they're literally yeah, fighting it, in a it bar. Yeah, it is a bar fight vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Sheen points to Daft Punk. He's like, put on us, put us a song, boys. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's great. (laughs) Unfortunately, though, Korra is hit in the arm and it like dissolves her arm. Uh, She kind of falls like catatonic on the floor when Flynn enters. The music drops and get dark and the tide turns. Zeus, realizing what's up, starts to flee. And as Flynn, Sam and Korra are making their escape, one of the orange dudes manages to reach out, uh, grab Flynn's disc and Zeus takes that disc as they are dropped in an elevator, plummeting towards the ground. Uh, Flynn manages to hack the elevator into not crashing into the ground and they manage to <laughs> land safely. Clearly, Sam is like, yo, I messed up. His dad's like, you did. You know, they're trying to figure out what to do next. His dad decides that they're going to do it Sam's way. They're going to make a bum rush for the portal. Which I like. That's like kid character development. Because yeah. he understands, like, we're in the shit now. And <laughs> you're like, that he realized that his son is right. Like, you just got to fucking go for it, you know? It's, it's, it's great. It's bum rush time, baby. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> they hop on this, like, transport of some sort that's on this, like, laser pathway heading for where the portal the is. The Solar Sailor. The that's Solar what it's called Sailor. In the, on the, that's the track that, that's the Daft Punk track that it's oh. called. It's called Solar <laughs> Sailor. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think it was actually in the, I don't think it made the cut. I think it's, yeah, they I don't play think it they over mentioned the, the credits. title of the 
transport in the film, but Solar Sailor it is. Yeah, but that's what it's, that, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> they begin to heal Korra. Her, his dad's like, you know, she's fine, she needs to reboot. Uh, and it's revealed as they're looking at her disc and her code that she is the last of the ISO. Meanwhile, Clue and crew are on the hunt. They stop by Zeus to pick up the disc. And they have, hit, Clue and Zeus have this like sort of exchange where they're like talking around that Clue, Clue is like very silently fixing himself a drink. Zeus is like, oh, I'll trade you the disc for you to continue to let me like live in peace and like rule part of the city. And he's like, it'll be a great trade, right? And Clue's like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then he blows up um, blows Zeus's up. <laughs> club with Zeus and White one. Lady inside. Yeah, looking up for number one. Clue and his gang now have the disc. Zeus has been axed and we are back at the Solar Sailor. Poor Michael Sheen. Poor Michael Sheen. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> Sad. Sam and his dad are sort of like catching up on what's been happening. They have a little quip about how Wi-Fi exists and his dad claims that he thought of that yeah. in the 80s. When I uh. rewatched this, when I rewatched this, I was like it was like war in the Middle East, rich getting richer, poorer getting poorer. I was like that's basically today. Yeah, I'm like oh, <laughs> hasn't changed oh. in 10 years. Oh. oh, this looks too familiar. Yep. <laughs> we, well, but I love that he explained Wi-Fi to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a very sweet little conversation. You get to see that despite the fact that they, you know, yeah. obviously didn't get to grow up fully with him. They still have a very, like, tight relationship. So Cora eventually wakes up. Sam kind of fills her in on what's up. She just talks about how she met Flynn when the original purge of the ISOs was happening. She was fleeing the city. And at the last second, Flynn was able to save her. And she describes herself as a rescue, which is the third dog joke in the movie. <laughs> I've been keeping track. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And as they are sort of, like, heading towards the portal, you know, Cora asks Sam, like, what's the sun like? And he struggles to describe it and kind of, like, looks at her and is like, it's bright and wonderful. And then he turns to face her and beautiful. And, you know, it, the, the conversation that's happened in every movie where someone is trying to explain something natural to someone who doesn't has never seen it before. Yeah. Dad sees his ah, kids getting along and smiles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's a proud dad. He's a proud yeah. papa. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, it would be very hard to describe the sun for someone who's never seen it. That's true. I don't know if I would default to beautiful, because if you stare directly no. at the sun, you'd go blind. No. But, you know, you gotta <laughs> give him some... He's had a very stressful day. You gotta give him some credit. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, a lot of things in the, this movie, there is... It's a good example of set up and pay off. Set up and pay mm -hmm. off. Yes. So, This will get paid off at the there very end a of the movie. Exactly. Yes. As they are just about to get to the portal, they kind of get intercepted. There's this huge... Uh, I guess it's a ship that's floating kind of around where the portal route it's is taking them. It's one of the enemy them. ships. It's like one of those orangey enemy yeah. ships, I think. It looks very like um, Star Destroyer. It's very like, it's kind of like yeah. a big imposing thing that you can fly straight yeah. into. Uh, the gang gets pulled in and they see inside that there's this massive army of repurposed programs that Clue is building to invade Ur uh, the real world with. As they're hiding, Cora hands a disc to her disc to the dad and kind of runs out to create a distraction for those two to sort of make their escape. Uh, she gets walloped by Tron. Dun, dun, dun. Tron is alive, but now he's working for the bad guys. Surprise. Tron is a yeah, killer. We only, know this we only know this because Jeff Bridges recognized him immediately. He's like, yes. oh, shit, Rensler's Tron. Or like, we think Rensler's, you know, we're like, oh, yeah. shit, Rensler's Tron. Like, Rinsler you know, it's crazy. Tron. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. It's also hinted at in the flashback, I think. Like, vaguely. Yeah. Like, you they know it the second time around. Don't show us the body when Tron is, exactly. quote-unquote, killed he in the flashback. He shows him, like, 
He's just I'm like, yeah. yeah, like ax axing him and they cut away to Flynn right as Exactly Clue, so uh, you know, brings the hammer down. So anyone who's a little so genre savvy will know that mm, yeah. if I don't see the body, he mm, might not actually dead? be dead. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I don't know about that one. Sam's real worried about Cora, but those Sam and his dad keep trying to make uh, their escape. Clue is, you know, reading Flynn's disc. He gets ready to make a big speech to his crazy army. He's like, Kevin Flynn, where are you now? And Flynn is like up in the rafters looking on. It's very funny. The speech um, reflects the uh, speech in the exposition in one of the first scenes that he mm-hmm. did for like the tech company. Set up and pay yes. off. Just saying. Yes. Um, and purposefully so, because they're literally the same person, because he's a clone exactly. of himself. And more importantly, like, Clue was a and clone of himself at a very, very specific often. point when he yes. went to making that speech, which exactly. it kind of, like, pays off later on, because a big part of his dad's arc is yeah. that he's grown and changed, and because Clue is a Past program, he Clue can't is. do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sam's like, you know what? Change the plan. Uh, we're not going to be able to get out before him. And I don't want to go without you, Dad. So now we're going for the disc, not just the portal. Um, Sam tells his dad to go catch them a ride, and he makes his way up the tower to go grab the disc. His dad... <laughs> I loved how his dad gets the ride, because he goes to get a ship. Yeah. And to do it, he, like, hacks the back yes. of one of the programs, and he turns around, the program's like, identify yourself. And he's like, you know, I need the ship, and the program's not complying. And he just hits the and program on the head. <laughs> Like you would do if, like, a computer wasn't a working. A computer, yeah. <laughs> or, like, your, yeah, like, your PlayStation wasn't working. You just, like, knock it a few times. Yeah, and, and then it, the hack starts to work. I thought that was a wonderful little detail. That was I a, loved that. So good. So, so, so good. good. Um, These are not the droids you were looking for. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sam just enters wax the... wax him in the head. <laughs> Sam enters the disc room, and the second-in-command kind of, like, Lackey guy's like, long live the users. So he's spineless is what we've established. Yeah, yeah. He, he just lets him in without even, like, sounding an alarm. Not even a moment of fight. Oh, he does sound an alarm. He does bring Rain's... Sorry. Yeah. I mean, he does sound an alarm, but, like, he basically just lets him have the disc. <laughs> yeah. He, he does very little to prevent uh, the users from yes. taking the disc. Um, Cora and Tron are also up here, so as Sam grabs the disc, uh, he and Tron begin to fight. Cora is freed, and Sam and Cora rush and jump off the side of the tower to where... The dad's ship is waiting for them. It looks like they're flying away and successful, but Tron and uh, Clue are hot on their tail. As they're flying away, dad gets his disc back and they're all in Korra's new ride, which is symbolically turns from orange to white lights as they fly away, because these are the good guys now. Clue, watching the gang head for the portal, kills his second in command and starts rushing out. We now get an aerial version of the laser bikes earlier. (laughs) The light cycles. I love the sequence. uh, light jets. I loved this. It was great. Uh, <laughs> so good. And the same thing where the jets just like, they just leap off the building and the jets form around. Oh, it's so oh, cool. <laughs> oh, best possible way to get into uh, aerial transportation. Yes. Sam gets to man one of the turrets. And so it's kind of part like TIE fighter battle, I, part of that like I laser bike. I love the sheer amount of Star Wars references all before that they Disney acquired Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, hey, do you guys want, you Don't want get Star cocky, Wars? Kid. You want Star <laughs> Wars in your that. movie? Yeah. <laughs> it is like, literally like this, all of these Star Wars references before Star Wars was even acquired by Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's really, this was before the new trilogy came out too. So this would have kind of been like, yeah, I don't, it's not the spiritual successor, successor to Star Wars, but it, 
playing on the like tropes and styling of that particular work yeah. of sci-fi wouldn't have necessarily been as much of a thing in the forefront of everyone's because you wouldn't have just seen The Force Awakens. You would have not even known that right. that was a movie that was existing. So it's uh, right. It's fun to be like, oh, space fight. Except they're not in space. <laughs> they're in a computer. I don't know. <laughs> they, yeah, you know, there's. Some aerial maneuvers, some crazy flights that go way up high, an orange guy stalls out, um, but they're in pursuit by Tron currently. Uh, Flynn looks back and is like, Tron, what have you become? Uh, and Tron kind of like mm-hmm. has a moment of like conscience, and he's Crap. like, I don't know what I'm doing, and he says, Flynn, go, uh, and he's now caught between Clue and Flynn, choosing to fly away. In a moment of redemption, Tron kind of zooms back in and takes Clue out, destroying his bike in a moment of, like, suicide redemption. He And as he's falling, he turns into these, like, his lights go from orange to white, indicating that he yeah. is back to be Tron yeah. and not Rinsler. Tron lives! I <laughs> love it's it. It's Tron's legacy! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clue unfortunately does manage to reform his ship uh, and he makes a beeline for the portal. The gang says, it's over and cheer, which is never a good sign before the very last minute of the movie. Yeah. Um, while while Sam is down in the turrets, Cora gives, um, is given a job by Flynn. We don't know what it is yet. And they He's arrive. basically like, I need, Cora, I need to do me a favor. And it's, then yeah. it cuts. And then it cuts. Yeah. They arrive at the portal, but Clue is there waiting for them, standing directly in their path. And for some reason, I have a few problems with the design of this portal area. <laughs> I'm going to start with my first problem, which is at the top of stairs, despite being in the sky. There's absolutely no reason that there should be stairs involved in your portal if it is already floating in the sky. Why would you not just land at the level where the portal is? Why would you make two levels to your portal? I don't understand the architecture of this portal area and it it, for the blocking sophia it's all for the blocking no 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 (laughs) i'm sorry so cora could do the the cool like like uh grappling hook move thingy to get in front of clue (laughs) yeah so that's my second problem with the portal architecture (laughs) is it has like a another star wars like it's just a walkway above nothing. So there's like no guardrails. You could just go right over the side, single file walk into the portal. <laughs> Why would you not? I, it, OSHA would Yeah, hate I feel this. like it would be. That is one thing. I feel like it would. It's hard to imagine Clue bringing his entire army single file <laughs> into the right? portal before it closes. You could just put an unusually large. It like, would be very difficult to get a whole army. The exit to the portal, <laughs> and they probably just wouldn't be able to get through anymore. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Clue is there dramatically standing in front of the portal, waiting for them. They have a little bit of a standoff. Dad and Clue sort of face off. They wax poetic about how perfection is unknowable, and Dad has knowledge that Clue doesn't. And when Flynn tries to make amends, Clue's like, I'm gonna take it, and then he doesn't, and he kicks yep. Flynn. And now Sam and Clue are fighting. He, Flynn yeah. tells Cora to go. She, like, grappling hooks around the bottom <laughs> of the portal platform and then back up to the other side and starts trying to pull Sam through the platform. Yeah. Um, she's got one job. She's got one job. Uh, <laughs> Clue is approaching Flynn and manages, grabs his disc, but when he starts activating it, he sees that it's Cora's disc and that Cora actually has Flynn's. They did a little switcheroo. Yep. Good old Very switcheroo. Love Set up that. and pay off. Hell yeah. They, there are like five or six minutes of Flynn telling Sam to go and Sam not going yeah. through the portal. Yeah. It went on. Can you blame him? So This was long. his one goal. I don't blame him, but I wish that they had cut it just a, a little bit tighter. I know, I know, I know. 
It could be tighter, for sure. But it's it's emotional. You're invested. It's emotional. You know? Yeah. Sam's in possession of his dad's disc does eventually go through the portal, and his dad makes the ultimate sacrifice to save his son as, you know, Clue is trying to chase them through the portal. His dad finally, like, destroys Clue by, like, unhacking him or dissolving him or something, which also, will, as we learned earlier, will result in his own end. So it's the ultimate sacrifice in order to save his son. Um, mutually yeah. just ensure destruction. There's a great yeah. big blue explosion. The whole grid goes crazy. And then back to the portal. Sam is now back in the real world, transferring some info in his dad's lab, wearing a chip around his neck. He kind of like shuts everything down and goes upstairs. Alan is up there. He tells Alan to meet him at MCOM at 8 a.m. that he's making Alan the new chairman and is finally taking control of his dad's company, stepping into his father's legacy and fulfilling yep. uh, his role as appointed by the movie. Sam and Cora are now out in the real world discussing what to do next. They hop on his motorbike because he says he wants to show her something and they ride off through the lush natural forest next to every northeastern interstate <laughs> in the United <laughs> States. I don't know if anyone has driven through Connecticut here, but it looked a lot like they were driving know through Connecticut. Where, where, I'm assuming they're... I'm assuming they're in New York because they're like by the Brooklyn Bridge and like it looks like New York. I guess, He's right? driving through, although I'm sure it's L.A., but, uh, yep. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know where they're driving. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like, as a New Yorker, I'm trying to think of like, where did he take her? Like, did they go out into Westchester? Like what? Like, where is this? Where is this? It's but it doesn't matter because it's the morning. Exactly. The sky is cloudy, but then finally the sun pushes through. There's a nice little, aha, the sun. She's never seen it. It's beautiful. We have hopeful yeah, That last shot's moments. gorgeous. So, so pretty. They ride off into the literal sunrise uh, and Daft yep. Punk plays us out as the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sweet dulcet great, tones though. of Daft Punk. <laughs> I love I love how Olivia Wilde played this character. I think she played I think she played it so well. And like this last shot with like the look on her face, like experiencing the sun for the first time, I think is like perfect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone in this movie gives a half-assed performance. I mean, there's some characters yeah. that aren't given much to necessarily do with right. the role. I mean, Garrett Hedlund isn't still... really given much to do. He's just, you know, being dragged, dragged around by his ear. Exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's still, like, he. I've totally bought I the mean, entire like time that he was sort of, yeah, that he was sort of this, like, a little bit headstrong, like, orphaned kid who's like, yeah. oh my god, my dad, I have one goal, and I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of, like, bought into what he was trying to sell me there. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. It's not like he is useless. Like, he yeah. has some semblance of agency. He goes into the grid purposefully. Well, he kind of is sucked in. But, like, yeah, he, he does go <laughs> to, like, he's interested in looking say he purposefully got sucked into the grid. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was wholly accidental. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, he did go, he could have ignored the, like, the... The page. He could have just That's not true. gone to the arcade. Yeah. And he does make the decision to go, you know, like we said before, he does make the decision to go off back onto the grid to the portal to try to get his dad out from the outside. Like, that's a decision he makes, you know? That's true. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges is actively like, we should just stay here. We don't, we shouldn't rock the boat, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's actively against things changing. So, you know. Yeah. You need the young upstart to, you know, teach the yeah. old dog new tricks, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is very fitting for a movie titled Legacy. Yep. It's all, it's all t- coming together in the end here. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But that that's Tron Legacy. It's a, you know, fun sci-fi watch. Tess, you know. Did you like this it? Was, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good time. I don't think I like it quite as much as you do, but I don't think I would no. be mad. Like, I wouldn't be mad <laughs> to watch it again. I, I mean, you, this yeah. was your choice of movie. Obviously, is this something that you would want to watch again, that you would recommend other people watch? What are your, what are your takeaways here? 
my takeaways. I gave a lot of my takeaways. Um, I mean, <laughs> you you know me. You know that I. Some of my favorite movies are because are, exist because they feature some of my favorite scores. Uh, mm-hmm. This is obviously one of them. And not only that, it's like it's just it's one of these movies that caught me by its score from when I was such a young impressionable kid that it just lasted this long you know like I said it's just always been there it's just Tron's always been living in my consciousness just, it's always Tron's been there this, so I haven't seen the original Tron movie and this you movie should. did make me want to go watch it because I think yeah. like I am so it's curious fun. to see how they pulled off these kinds of special effects significantly yeah. earlier because again like we mentioned this movie looks I beautiful mean, it's the other one it, it's not beautiful <laughs> by any means it's, it's made in the 80s but it, yeah. it, it does for its time it was it was insane what they did for the time I mean it it it's it's very it's very campy and this mm-hmm. one was definitely less campy it kind of retained some camp in certain ways um, I think in a right, a good amount of camp, like just enough camp. Um, but the other one, the first one's very, very campy and fun. <laughs> you should watch it. I think it's on Disney plus too. So yeah, well, that's, that's a two movie recommendation off of this podcast, Tron and <laughs> Tron legacy. You can double feature them. <laughs> Tell us about them. But, uh, Tess, thank you so much for coming on the show, for making me watch Tron Thanks legacy. Thanks for having me, Soph. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, but until then, enjoy, uh, whatever movies you, the listeners choose to watch. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on May 10th to chat the questionable wig choices in the movie Van Helsing. But if you've got a question, comment, concern, or favorite Daft Punk track, you can reach the pod at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. And we'll catch you guys in the grid. <laughs>